Welcome, I'm Doug Morgan, and you're listening to Uncommon Sense, where we hunt for the truth in the topics you're not supposed to talk about, Christianity and politics. When my son was just a boy, he had gotten home from school with his friend, and I was next door, and he and his friend had a wonderful idea. This was not just a good idea. This was a wonderfully great idea. (laughs) While playing in the backyard, and there and the garage, they found the can of gasoline that I'd kept for mowing the lawn. And to a couple of boys with questioning minds, this was gold. What would happen if we poured out some of this gasoline and lit it on fire, they questioned. Well, there is only one way to find out, right? (laughs) Luckily, there was an open tuna can in the garbage, and that would serve very nicely as a container to hold the gasoline. So on the back patio, a, a covered patio, I might add, they hatched a scheme to see what putting fire to flame would do. Setting down the can on the concrete floor, they carefully poured the gas from the small red gas can into the small metal can. And they made sure that, you know, not to spill too much or overflow the rim. And when All was just so. They looked at each other and took a match from the box. The the anticipation was so exciting. How long would it take to fully ignite? What color would the flame be? So many things to think about and only one way to answer them. The sound of the tip of the match was heard sliding across the side of the box. The flame came to life, dancing on the tip of the match. One last look at each other, and my son would drop the match into the can of gasoline. To their amazement, it was better than they had imagined. It immediately caught on fire with a big woof and heat and fire exploding up from the can. The problem was that they were not licensed pyrotechnicians. (laughs) They had no business playing with gasoline and fire at all, little alone together. As the fire climbed higher and the problems were becoming evident and growing rapidly, one of the problems is that the, the, the fire was getting so big that what they were trying to hide as a small little private experiment was going to be seen by the entire neighborhood soon. (laughs) The other problem was that at the rate that the flames were climbing, it could probably catch the roof on fire and then the whole town would know what they were up to. So being the expert firemen that they were, one of them soon had the really bright idea of stomping on the can to put out the fire and save the day. It would be out and 
they would clean up, nothing would be said, and no one would be the wiser. But as boys, foot his, his foot came down on, on the can. It hit the edge of the can, flinging flaming gasoline all over the place, including his shoe and his pant leg. Now, instead of just an old tuna can being on fire, he had t- a terrible situation developing. Luckily, and probably with a little help from God, to be honest with you, my son was able to put the fire out without, you know, before too much of the shoe and pants and leg was burned. There was, you know, a little bit of of a uh, um, of problem, but uh, but it was easily uh, healed. And of course, in the case of the pants and the shoes thrown away, uh, it was thankfully better a better ending than it very easily could have been. Now, what they learned that day was that boys have no business playing with gas and fire. There are just certain things that certain people should have nothing to do with. That when they do mess around with them, they end up breaking it or even worse. Sometimes people are hurt or even killed because of it. Liberals hate the military. They always have. From before I can remember, liberals have always chastised the military. They've they they just they loathe loathe military action. They they hate the military. The only time liberals really like the military is when they can use them to enforce their commands and the edicts and mandates and all that kind of stuff. Then then you know they're they're big advocates, right? But whenever a liberal president is in office, the military budget is always cut. Uh, they are used as social experiments, and, and they become ineffective. A, a more conservative administration always has to come in and, and build the military back up again, uh, just to have you know the next liberal president tear it back down. It's kind of a cycle type thing that's happened for a number of years now. Now, a good example of this was under President Jimmy Carter, arguably one of the worst presidents in American history. This was the genius that thought that 20% home loan percentages, you know, were were great. And and foreign oil dependency was also another really good idea. And after his term in office, I thought I had seen the worst president ever. I was admittedly wrong. Don't tell my wife (laughs) that occasionally I'm wrong. But as... As I had not yet experienced President Obama or Joe Biden's reign of terror, but that's for another podcast. On on November fourth, nineteen seventy nine, Iran uh, Iranian students seized the embassy in Iran and detained fifty two American hostages. The crisis reached a, a real climax when the the diplomatic negotiations failed to win the release of the hostages, and Carter ordered the U.S. military to attempt a rescue mission. Now, this rescue mission was Operation Eagle Claw, you know, so they give it a really cool name and everything. And they were using warships that included the USS Nimitz, the USS Coral Sea, uh, and others which were patrolling the, the waters nearby there in Iran. And the failed attempt 
on, on April 24th, 1980, resulted in the deaths of one Iranian uh, civilian and the accidental deaths of eight American servicemen after one of the helicopters crashed into a transport aircraft. The, the Iranians held the American diplomats uh, hostage for 444 days, releasing them only hours after President Ronald Reagan was sworn into office. Now, this is why liberals have no business playing with the military. There are other examples of how liberal leaders so neuter the military that when it comes to time to use them, they can't. Uh, instances like Bill Clinton uh, only being able to blow up a camel in, in, in Syria in response to the, the dehumanizing, tragic death of our servicemen there. This is why liberals have no business playing with military. Now, you have to not go any farther back for the latest example than what has happened and is happening right now in Afghanistan. Now, we, we have chronicled on this podcast the absolute incompetence of this administration's handling of the military pullout of that country. And you can go back and you can always go to uncommonsensepodcast.com. Uh, we have all of our podcasts archived there. You, and you don't have to go back very far to, to um, you know, hear the, the accounts of, of what has happened there in Afghanistan. If you've been hiding under a rock or whatever the case may be, uh, you, you can hear what's, what has happened there. And it's an absolute failure. Now, the, the withdrawal of Afghanistan could not have been done any worse. I mean, you, you literally could not have done this withdrawal any worse if you tried. This has been an utter devastating failure on all levels. Without rehashing much of, of this again, um, I wanted to highlight one aspect of this monumental and, and really tragic failure. Now, when we gave up our, our air bases over there in Afghanistan. We had, a, we had a number of air bases over there. They were very easily secured. Um, they, they had lots of room, uh, lots of buildings to, to house people and things like that. Uh, when, when we gave up those air bases in Afghanistan and, and made that terrible decision to, to use the civilian airport in Kabul as uh, an evacuation point, President Biden uh, negotiated with the terrorists, um, the Taliban, to, to be the security around the airport. I mean, can, can you imagine? Can you imagine sitting in a meeting, and and this uh, option comes up, right? Okay, we're gonna we're we're going to just abandon in the middle of the night, not tell the the Afghan army that we're pulling out. We're just going to turn out the lights, leave all the stuff, and then we're going to try to evacuate as many people as, as we can from a one airstrip uh, Kabul airport that can't be really secured. It's not a military base. It's in the middle of, of, of a lot of civilians. And, and, and then we're going to pull out the, the military before everybody's out. We'll just get it out as many as we can and, and then pull our military. 
leaving all of this stuff for the Taliban terrorists. When, when this comes up, I don't understand how somebody, everybody raises their hand and says, this is the, this is the best idea since sliced bread. I, I don't understand the logic behind this. And to boot, then when things are going awry and, and we have to literally pay the Taliban for security around this airport, because we don't have any, we've pulled out, then, then now he, he, he warned them that, that, that if they allowed any attacks on the people that we're trying to get out on us or the other people that there would be, and this is his quote, swift and forceful retaliation for it. Here's that clip. But it is not without risks. As we carry out this departure, we have made it clear to the Taliban, if they attack our personnel or disrupt our operation, the U.S. presence will be swift and the response will be swift and forceful. We will defend our people with devastating force if necessary. So then what happens is that Islamic terrorists are allowed to blow up over 100 citizens and 13 of our servicemen and women. Now, now Biden has to follow up with his promise on this, right? He has to follow up with his swift and forceful retaliation. So just like a day or two later, this happens. The unmanned airstrike occurred in the Nangahar province of Afghanistan. Initial indications are that we killed the target. We know of no civilian casualty. The U.S. launching this airstrike against the Islamic State affiliate in Afghanistan just one day after that devastating suicide bombing attack outside the Kabul airport as thousands of Afghans crowded the gates. One U.S. official telling ABC News that the individual killed in tonight's drone strike was involved in possibly planning additional attacks. But the official says no links exist linking him to yesterday's attack. The terror attack taking the lives of 13 U.S. service members and roughly 100. 70 Afghans. President Biden addressing the nation yesterday, vowing to those responsible for the attack, we will not forgive, we will not forget, we will hunt you down and make you pay. But a few days after this strike, there were already reports that the military had made another terrible mistake. Can you imagine that? Under another Democratic, liberal president, our military is incompetent and unable to do what they need to do. It, the, the reports were that it had not killed an Islamic terrorist that was planning all, you know, another hit on our people or whatever, but had instead killed 10 people, including an aid worker with seven children. Here is Senator Rand Paul questioning the United States Secretary of State. This is this is Anthony Blinken. He's the U.S. Secretary of State about the reports and the handling of Afghanistan. The guy the Biden administration droned, was he an aid worker or an ISIS-K operative? Uh, the administration is, of course, reviewing that, uh, that strike. 
uh, and I'm sure that a you know full assessment will be will be for so you. You don't know if it was an aid worker or an ISIS K operative. Uh, I can't speak to that, and I can't speak to that in this setting in any event. So you don't know or won't tell us. Uh, I don't. I don't know because we're, we're reviewing it. Well, see, you'd think you'd kind of know before you off somebody with a predator drone, whether he's an aid worker or he's an ISIS K. See, the thing is, is this isn't just you. It's been going on for administration after administration. The Obama administration droned hundreds and hundreds of people. And the thing is, is there is blowback to that. I mean, I don't know if it's true, but I see these pictures of these beautiful children that were killed in the attack. If that's true and not propaganda, if that's true, guess what? Maybe you created hundreds or thousands of new potential terrorists from bombing the wrong people. So you got to know who you, we can't sort of have an investigation after we kill people. We have an investigation before we kill people. We've got plenty of bombs. We can bomb almost anything we want from anywhere in the world. Maybe we should have bombed the helicopters and the planes that we left behind. I mean, even though you said you didn't know any of this and was all surprised, once they took all of our stuff, we should have said you got 20 minutes to get out of it because we're going to blow it all up. Then you would have sent a message of strength. Instead, we bombed somebody who we're not sure whether it was an aid worker or an ISIS-K operative. See, that's not, a, that's not sending a signal of strength. And in the end, there will be more blowback from it. If you killed an aid worker on accident, I mean, do you think we're better off because of that? You really could have acted in a position of strength, but you could have made the basic decision, that the basic fundamental decision that, that really ruined the whole thing for you was a, a military decision to abandon Bagram Air Force Base before, before you left, before the Americans were out. Anybody can argue, and you may have a point that it happened quick, more quickly than we thought it was going to happen. Okay, that's an honest mistake, still a huge mistake. And when people make judgments, mistakes in the military, they ought to be relieved of their post. But leaving Bagram Air Force Base, I think, is an unforgivable sort of mistake. It's going to be remembered in history. But if you do nothing about it, you leave all these people in place and say, oh, well, we all agreed. It's like, then maybe everybody needs to go. I mean, but really, it was a terrible mistake. But releasing money to the Taliban will add insult to injury. It'll be terrible for the memory of the 13 soldiers who died in the end, who were the final soldiers to die in this war, if you end up giving money to the, the people that, uh, you know, have been ruining the Middle East and Afghanistan for decades. I hope you won't release the money, and I think it'll be a big mistake. You know, if it wasn't so tragic, it would be hilarious. It's just mind-boggling the ineptitude that we see from this administration. And once again, what we have to conclude from this is that you don't let liberals play with the military. As, as the Daily Wire reported on Friday, last Friday, that the Pentagon acknowledged the drone strike was a tragic mistake as they call it, without indicating whether anyone in the intelligence community would be held accountable, of course. And we can't hold anybody accountable for the bad intel or, or a bad call that, that killed an, you know, an Afghan worker and, and nine others, including those seven children. As the New York Times reported, uh, the Times reporting uh, has identified the, the driver as Zamari Ahmadi, a longtime worker uh, for the U.S. aid group, um, the the evidence, including extensive interviews with family members, co-workers, and witnesses, suggests that 
His travels that day actually involved transporting colleagues to and from work. How dare he? That's terrorist action right there. And an analysis of video feeds showed that the military may have seen that Mr. Uh, Amadi and his colleagues loading canisters of water into the trunk to bring home to his family. I mean, obviously, the, these water canisters are um, are bombs, and and they're you know definitely preparing for another attack. While the U.S. military said the drone strike might have killed you know three civilians, Times reported uh, show the, the Times reporting shows that it killed ten, including seven children, in a dense residential block. Now, Amadi worked for the uh, Nutrition and Education International, which obviously is a terror organization, and a U.S.-based organization uh, in itself. And he was leaving for work on the morning of the drone strike when the U.S. began surveilling the, the white sedan, allegedly because he had, he had left what was believed to be an ISIS safe house. Now, General Kenneth McKenzie uh, was quoted by saying this, we now assess that it was unlikely that the vehicle and those who died were associated with ISIS-K or a direct threat to U.S. forces. Now, McKenzie added that the investigation now concludes that our strike was a tragic mistake. The administration is yet... uh, uh, is yet another black eye for the Biden administration, which has been heavily criticized for how it ended the Afghan war. And obviously I'm one of them. Uh, it is unclear if officials were referring to one of the three stops that Mr. Amadi made to pick up two passengers and the laptop on on his way to work. The, the latter location, the home of the NEI uh, country director, was close to where a rocket attack claimed ISIS um, claimed by ISIS would be launched against the airport uh, the following morning um, from the, you know, the uh, launcher concealed inside the, the truck of a Toyota Corolla, um, which is a model similar to Mr. Amani's vehicle. This is what the times is reporting, but I mean, we're talking about a drone. We're talking about satellite, um, images and things like this that, that I'm sure were on him. And these things can read your license plate. I mean, come on. You, you can't say, well, it was, it was a Toyota. It was the same vehicle, to, you know, da, da, da. The Times reported that throughout the day, an MQ-9 Reaper drone continued to track Mr. Amati's vehicle as it drove around Cabal. And the U.S. officials claimed they intercepted communications between the sedan and the alleged ISIS safe house, instructing it to make several stops. But the people who rode with Mr. Amadi that day said that the military intercept, uh, intercepted as a serious, uh, as a series of suspicious moves was simply just a normal day at work for him. Now here is General Frank McKenzie, the U.S. Central Command, that's what he's in charge of, verifying what we already knew. Good afternoon. I'm here to brief the results of the investigation I directed 
following the report of civilian casualties from our strike in Kabul on 29 August. Having thoroughly reviewed the findings of the investigation and the supporting analysis by interagency partners, I am now convinced that as many as 10 civilians, including up to seven children, were tragically killed in that strike. Moreover, we now assess that it is unlikely that the vehicle and those who died were associated with ISIS-K or were a direct threat to U.S. forces. Now, there are many conclusions that we can come to from all of this, but what is the moral of the story here? Well, the only thing I can conclude is that you don't let liberals play with the military. And you may agree with that. You may disagree with that. I would definitely love to hear from you. And again, that can be done at UncommonSensePodcast.com. You can also go to our Facebook page. Would love to have you do that. If, if you want to uh, go there uh, and subscribe, um, you know, just go ahead and click on that link. That definitely helps, helps the podcast as we grow. And uh, Instagram as well. You can go there and and, uh, and and you also can get notifications on when we come out with the next podcast. Obviously, we do this as a Monday, Wednesday, Friday thing. And I love the fact that you are listening. Thank you for that. Uh, it's it's a growing, growing podcast. And, and we really definitely appreciate everything that you do to help us grow. And again, thank you for listening. This podcast is a production of Morganite Communications.